Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. You're listening to Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 316 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and today we will talk about Russell Dortmund's 4 nothing win against Eintracht Frankfurt, and we will preview the UEFA Champions League tie against Paris Saint-Germain, and we will have an interview which is already published and out there, but uh, we will also add it to this episode with Ed from PSG Talk to give his insight on all things PSG before that big clash and for all that and more joins me once again Matthias Zuck. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? I am doing well Stefan, how are you doing today? I am doing today very fine and uh, I'm also elated to announce another sponsor for this episode which is Jordan Hunt from Stafford in England and uh, he was so enthusiastic about the 4-0 win that when he uh, left the Westfalenstadion and ran home to his hotel room, he could not wait but pledge 10 bucks to sponsor this episode and uh, wants a shout-out to his Twitter account. So please go, everyone, follow Jordan Hunt at Hunt underscore 1909 on Twitter. I hope uh, the masses will follow, otherwise our uh, entire system will collapse. So uh, please do that and follow Jordan. He's a nice chap who is excited about Borussia Dortmund. And with that, I have the perfect segue because there's another nice chap excited about Borussia Dortmund, especially this week, and that's Matthias. So Matthias, um, the 4 nothing win was uh, quite a culture shock especially from a defensive standpoint, if you will, uh, from a Dortmund perspective. But nevertheless, we'll take it, I guess. <laughs> so um, what do you make of this particular match? And uh, I already know the answer, but I will still ask the question, was it Dortmund being so good or Frankfurt being so bad? Well, uh, first of all, it is probably the easiest Bundesliga game day check that Roman Bürki is ever going to get in his life, <laughs> uh, because aside from hardly even having to do a goal kick, um, he really didn't have much to do on that day, given that there wasn't a shot on target. Um, the... You know, was Dortmund being so good or Eintracht Frankfurt being so bad? I mean, obviously it's both. Uh, it's, you know, ignoring the, the cynics out there like, well, of course Dortmund can win because Frankfurt were so bad. I mean, there was that level of Frankfurt showing up and it almost seemed timid and scared to try. Um, but at the same time, every time Frankfurt really tried to push forward, tried to go on a break, uh, Dortmund really shut it down very well already in the attacking third in the midfield. Uh, Axel Witzel said it in the press conference ahead of the PSG match that they were more aggressive in basically in the counter press 
than they had been in the previous few matches. And absolutely, I mean, if the ball doesn't go back to even challenge the Dortmund back line, then there, there's obviously an issue there. Now, Frankfurt did get to that uh, position a few points. Um, I thought what was really, really interesting is that they didn't try to test the gaps behind Hakimi and in front of Piszczek more. Uh, the few times that they did, uh, Piszczek dealt with it extraordinarily well. And the other thing that definitely helped was Emre Chan in the double pivot with Axel Witzel. He shut down a lot. He was all over the place. He made some great tackles. His positioning was good. His communication was good, which Lucien Favre also noted. Um, so it was Frankfurt weren't very good on the day and Dortmund were very good on the day. So uh, obviously, if you have a combination of that, uh, it makes for the type of result that we got. I am shocked because I had predicted that there was going to be a Kostich breakaway one-on-one situation, given what we had seen in the matches against Leverkusen and Vera Bremen. Uh, but that didn't happen uh, simply because Dortmund were more... Yeah, aggressive. I think Lucien Favre said it too. We were more aggressive, but in a good way uh, in the attacking third and in the midfield press and winning the ball back. So uh, that that definitely helped cover and did not expose the back three, which is something obviously I bemoaned in the last episode. Yeah, what I think went well and uh, is a way Lucien Favre likes to play anyway. And I think uh, Eintracht Frankfurt did uh, play in a way that really benefits a Lucien Favre coached side is that Frankfurt were surprisingly passive and and I thought they were going to press Dortmund much, much more. And once Dortmund scored the first goal, Dortmund got pretty passive in like, we will play more in a transition now for the sort of football. And that being said, Guerrero's goal, was it the third or the fourth? I think it was the fourth, uh, was him counter-pressing at the opponent's box and uh, winning an interception right there and then firing at home. But uh, overall, um, I think Dortmund's system was more of a 5-4-2-1, if you will, when they were without the ball. And they really covered their their outside positions well. And uh, Kostic um, was not as far forward as you would anticipate him because uh, uh, a little someone called Jaden Sancho. So um, I always forget that uh, obviously opponents need to adjust to Dortmund more than Dortmund needs to adjust to them. And I think that was the perfect example of that. So um, that that was uh, very positive from, from Dortmund uh, and especially in, in the way Frankfurt played. Um, one minor criticism I will have toward Axel Witzel and I found it ironic that he said it at the press conference and I haven't seen it yet because I was on Talking Fußball which uh, you should check out that Bundesliga show um, is that sometimes he was caught in no man's land because I think Axel Witzel is sadly a bit overplayed right now and I think his legs are a bit too tired for my liking and you know there were a couple of occasions where he wanted to press but wasn't quick enough to close down the opponent and then left the space open behind him without putting pressure on the ball carrier and that could have, should have boded, uh, you know, problems and danger for Dortmund, but it didn't because Frankfurt just uh, didn't really have too many concepts uh, on how to play forward and what to do with the ball. But um, I feel like another team that can handle the ball a little bit better would take advantage of that. So um, while 
I would agree that Dortmund had a good game. I am reluctant to say that it had a very good game. I think if had had Dortmund had a very good game, it would have been probably like seven nothing, <laughs> to be honest. Um, because there were a couple of transition moments that they really botched quite badly, where they can uh, do much much better. But um, obviously, um, and th- there was another situation where Guerrero left Chandler wide open, and the entire right to center side was wide open and uh, had Frankfurt managed to switch the play in that particular attack um, we would harp on Guerrero quite heavily for leaving Chandler that wide open but it didn't materialize so everything went well and overall Guerrero had a pretty good game obviously but um, there were a couple of defensive flaws and errors that Dortmund did um, that you see in the fine print maybe Um, but obviously if you only allow one shot on target and I think the expected goals of that shot from which was Timothy Chandler in the 26 minute from 26 yards out was 0.03 and went I don't know somewhere into the into the ball net that hangs behind the goal um, completely off target Um, yeah I think that is quite the achievement and uh, doesn't happen every day that you completely limit uh, the shots on on target so kudos to Dortmund for that Um, I will have to say though that I personally was a bit surprised to see Akanji dropped for Pischek just because of uh, you want to have Akanji's speed against Kostic. But uh, in the way it played out, obviously Favre was right and I was wrong. Um, Matthias, uh, do you think it was the correct move or um, do you think that in hindsight it wasn't necessarily down to Pischek or Akanji playing there or but, but other factors why this game went the way it went? Because I I personally think it's a bit too simplistic to say, oh, well, they didn't concede. Well, it was because the country wasn't there. Like, I feel like that's that's not the entire answer to this question. It's not just not the entire answer to the question. It's not even an answer. I mean, it's the the breakdown for Frankfurt came well before then because they never really threatened whether Akanji would have been there or not. He would have won the same duels that Pischek did, uh, which weren't very, very many uh, because of, uh, the effectiveness of Dortmund's play ahead of them. Maybe it was just down to let's give Akanji a break because, like so many of Dortmund players, played a lot of matches recently. And, and he had the most playing time correct. of all players before that game. Correct. And when you look at the matches against Leverkusen and Bremen, Akanji was one of the best Dortmund players on the pitch in those matches. Um, Still not so, good, but the best. <laughs> well, no, to me, he was good. In my opinion, he was a good player in both matches. Yeah, except for the 3 um, goal where he was caught ball watching. But well, everyone was bad in that play, I was gonna. So yeah, it's not... Count. He didn't lose those matches. Just like, you know, people who keep on talking about, and we'll talk about him in a second, Roman Bürki. Uh, look at the stats. Well, that's because you're an idiot and you don't know actually what goes into the stats. But the... The, the giving him some time off, I expect to see him against PSG personally. I think putting Piszczek up against PSG with Mbappé and Neymar would be ritual suicide uh, because they will completely expose uh, Hakimi's positioning and Piszczek's lack of pace compared to Akanji. I don't foresee a Frankfurt-like performance from PSG. Um, so... Uh, I think maybe it was just down to a little bit of rotation, giving him some time off, uh, because in those two matches, previous matches of all the defenders, let's put it that way, he was the least problematic 
in in the team. Um, and so I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think it was just just down to rotation and giving people some time off. And obviously Zagadou played because he's still getting back to match fitness uh, and being able to to face the like of his former employer at PSG. I will say this, Zagadou had a stellar night. Um, he was spectacular, especially um, just dancing around the first wave of pressing that Frankfurt tried to apply to him. He just left his marker in the dust, basically, with the ball dribbling forward and created so many situations from that. Um, I personally think that's uh, one of his biggest strengths. And... Um, Especially if you have Mats Hummels, who is obviously known for his positive build-up play. Um, just having this as a little side flavor just makes Dortmund so so hard to defend in their first phase of the build-up. And I'm still completely uh, flabbergasted about the fact that it took so long for Favre to, to play that Zagadou card. Um, so I'm all the more glad that he is finally in the team because... It would be such a waste to have this talent rot on the bench for an entire season, basically, and then, I don't know, loan him out or sell him or whatever. So I'm glad he's found his feet finally, and um, he should be obviously playing against PSG, even if it goes horribly, horribly wrong. It's important experience that he will need, and I really hope that he has a long-term future at Dortmund um, because he's an, he's an awesome player, and uh, if he plays like that, um, that was that was pretty good. So. Um, I'm I'm very happy with that, but um, you've already mentioned Emre Can, and I think we uh, we need to highlight him again. Uh, he had in 64 minutes the most tackles, six of them, and uh, one tackles obviously, and also uh, the second most interceptions behind Guerrero with three. And uh, you've you've already said that Favre really hi- highlighted his communication. And I really feel, and this is obviously just a short-term observation because we've only seen two games so far with him and his involvement in the starting lineup, but uh, I, I really feel he is exactly the, the type of player that Dortmund desperately, desperately needed. And he can um, make this defense much, much better. Obviously, can't cure every problem there is, but uh, already, you know, suffocated a lot of potential fires no absolutely uh i think you know i tweeted it after the match we'll look back at this january transfer window as one of the best maybe not overall transfer windows but definitely one of the best january transfer windows Dortmund's had maybe ever but definitely a long time since you added the goals from holland and then everything that Emre Chan adds. So uh, Dortmund are much stronger now than they were two months ago, without a doubt. You know, it's it's funny because um, before the game, there was an interview by Roman Bürki. I think The Zone did it, um, where Roman Bürki basically talked about Haaland being always the first on the training ground. And he says he's usually the first. And basically, he, he flicks on the lights and uh, then you already see... Holland there lifting weights or, or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even on his day, all, days off, uh, Holland is there and receiving treatment or whatever. So just the, the complete professional and, and exactly what we talked about in, in previous shows, um, that the sort of, um, you know, professionalism and the, uh, 100% in it to win it mentality is something that will lift Dortmund up. And I think we will get the same from 
Emrejan, who, uh, you know, once said that he's trying to become the best player in the world. Obviously, he will never be that. Let's be realistic. Um, but nevertheless, um, he has that uh, aspiration for excellence. And uh, we, we, we certainly see it reflect in his, in his character and uh, not only the way he plays, but in, in, the, in the way he commands the players around him. And I think uh, that might be even, yeah, might, might be even more important than uh, just his, his uh, footballing skill. But the, the leadership, you know, he could be, uh, I, I think he's just a natural leader. I don't know if he always was that person, but he is now. And he knows his role at Dortmund. He knows his responsibility. Um, and what I liked after the game, when I think he talked to Sport 1 and he said that he is uh, finally feeling important again and he didn't feel like that in months. And I can only agree with that. Um, right now, he is very important at Dortmund. And uh, after such a short time, which uh, tells you a lot. And what I personally like, a lot about it, he takes a lot of weight off Mats Hummels' shoulders because he was brought in and everyone talked about Hummels' leadership skills and basically he needs to bring in that winning mentality and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think just putting it on Hummels' shoulders and then maybe on Marco Rose or so, uh, you know, maybe even Berkey here and there, but, you know, a, lo a lot of responsibility was laid on at Hummels' feet and I, th I think... Adding Emrejan to that uh, helps really with with the entire dynamic in the team, and so I I really do think over the long term it really will make everyone better in the team, even if John doesn't start every game. And we've already discussed the uh, options that he gives Favre just from a tactical standpoint. So um, I personally am very pleased with that um, because we have someone now who can have a clean tackle at his own box who doesn't lose his head, who has the experience of uh, the Premier League and Serie A and, and Champions League, obviously, and uh, Bundesliga before that. So just someone who who is well-versed in, in all kinds of different uh, situations in, in football and has seen a lot and, and knows how things uh, go and, and not go. So I'm I'm just very happy to have him. At Dortmund, I know I was I was pretty skeptical, but uh, knowing the uh, the windsock that I am, <laughs> my uh, he's already my very good graces. Uh, we'll hope it can continue like that. But uh, just just you know the defensive and and the will to to protect your own goal that alone is is awesome too. So um yeah I'm I'm talking for way too long here right now, but um I think that game was a bit of a revelation and especially in Julian Brandt's absence um, it was good for Dortmund to produce four goals and to then have a solid midfield because I feel like if you let this Frankfurt team into the game and let them do their thing um, Dortmund would have had a very tough time to to score and it could have been the draw that I think you predicted so um, yeah the the reason why this game went so one-sided i think uh, a lot of it has to do with emrejan and uh, how he just killed so many plays from the outset that frankfurt might have had so um yeah just an awesome player and just naturally plucks inside to that midfield so well done to michael Zorc, uh for that recruitment and obviously for Fargo to to play him right away and um, the only issue obviously is match fitness because emrejan has not played 
a game for the full 90 minutes at all this season. So um, that is something where we will have to be passionate about. And then I guess the hood comes on for the closing stages of a game. So I wonder how how that will go against PSG. But uh, for the time being uh, against Frankfurt, it was very positive. And I personally think the uh, the league right now is a little bit more important than the Champions League for Dortmund. So um, get, getting that win and uh, the win in that sort of fashion was very important. So um, that being said, I now had a very long... Uh, uh, sung the the praises of Emre Can for a very long time, but um, I think it's it's time to highlight also um, the the uh, accolades of Rafael Guerrero, who is in a stellar form right now. And I would leave that to you, Matthias. Well, we did just have Valentine's Day, so it's okay. You know, if you you want to send a Valentine belated Valentine's card to Emre Can, it's it's totally acceptable. <laughs> no, uh, Guerrero. Uh, you know, I've I've mentioned. Quite a few times the negative sides as far as defensive positioning and obviously you had mentioned that one specific scene, but, um, what he brings in a creative sense and also in, in his work in terms of he just con he just keeps going. He never stops. Um, Laufbereitschaft, as we would say in German. So his, his willingness to just run all match long um you don't he's not one of those players where if somebody beats him or get past him that he just kind of walks back which you do see from some players <clears throat> Jaden Sancho um but uh, he definitely books it all the way back tries to get back at position um and on top of that his his ability to press his ability to play out of a press is very <clears throat> impressing <laughs> so uh what can you say about him he played another fantastic match i i remember it was about a year ago where there were questions about his future at Borussia Dortmund i don't think there are those questions anymore at this point as far as happiness and playing time goes he's clearly the number one choice for Lucien Favre, which begs the question, what happens with Nico Schulz, uh, who I think is just a workmanlike good backup, uh, above average Bundesliga left wing back. But uh, what Guerrero offers is more than just hard work. He, he offers the ability to create goals, to score goals, to move into the right position. And his interplay with the attacking players is always a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think right now, especially in the absence of, of Brandt and also obviously Marco Reus, who we can count out when it comes to uh, creativity and, and uh, build-up play, um, the way that obviously Hakimi does the same thing to a certain extent, but especially Rafa Guerrero, the way he drifts inside, sometimes into the like central midfield where he drifts inside very early, um, is, is very dangerous and... Um, Help me out here. Which goal did he set up by just basically, I think, beating two or three players by driving right through the midfield? Was it the second or the fourth or the third? I, I don't have it right in front of me. I don't remember. Uh, but uh, we, we all do know that it happened and uh, it was just absolutely fantastic. I think I think it was the goal that Haaland ended up scoring. Um, but the way that Guerrero um, set that one up is, is just uh, so amazing right now because... 
he is doing it consistently now. Um, the the really big blessing so far is that he has stayed without an injury, and I really hope that uh, that there will be some rotation uh, going on soon. Um, even though he he will his absence will be uh, felt. Um, as we saw against Werder Bremen when Nico Schulz played there, but uh, you need to you need to rotate him a little bit. Otherwise, if he gets a muscle injury or something like that, that would be a, a very devastating blow. Um, you will have to, you want to have him in his form, and um, without Alcázar right now and without Marco Reus, he's also the guy uh, to take the free kicks. And if I remember correctly, he clanked the post with one free kick that nearly went in. So um, yeah. Right, right now, Rafael Guerrero is an, on an absolute tear and uh, is doing well. What, what uh, you know, he should be doing well all the time, but can't always do. But now that he's feeling it, uh, you can see with the confidence just that he beats an opponent on on a shimmy. Um, I mean, there's this one play where he just not makes his opponent, but what he does beforehand is just he shifts his weight and his feet so quickly. Um, is something that Jane Sancho does well too, but uh, Guerrero doing it in, in a deeper position, and obviously it it needs to work out. But uh, for the for the main part, it does. And when he beats his marker, there's such a lot of space to run in, and he he really can create from from that. So um, yeah, he really is a weapon, and uh, I don't want to miss him. So uh, you know, in hindsight, we were talking last season about Götze and uh, Guerrero and who would extend their contract. Uh, now it's obviously Guerrero. And before before that, uh, we all thought it was likely that maybe Götze would extend his contract and Guerrero wouldn't. Uh, but the other thing happened. And I think for Dortmund in the long term, it's actually better to have Guerrero around, um, at least in the way that we can't see what's... Uh, Mario Götze is, is doing all where he's heading because uh, sadly uh, Lucien Favre is not rating him that much even though he, he got a couple cameos right now but it's not like he could do much with that time. So um, that's obviously very positive from, from Guerrero and his development which we were all hoping for but it wasn't exactly set in stone that he was going to be that player but now that he is it's uh, it's a massive boost for Dortmund. So um, that's that's all I'm going to say uh, to that subject. Um, yeah, and obviously we had another goal from Arling Haaland. But that being said, two assists from Achraf Hakimi, Matthias. Um, do you think that him becoming a dad made this game even more special for him, trying very hard to score a goal? Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, he's he's always up for it offensively. That's never a question. He's he's great. Sometimes he gets a rush of blood to the head and doesn't play a pass when he should have or you know or or you know doesn't shoot when he should. Stuff like that. His decision making, but he's still really really young. To me, the issue with Hakimi is always defensive positioning. Uh, uh the, the it's question not, is not that he is f- now that he is a dad, do you think his uh, father instincts kick in and he will become more protective of the goal as well? I highly doubt that. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, anyway, he he got two assists to uh, in in this game and uh, two two very nice setups. Um, Matthias, how surprised were you to see Lukas Piszczek score a goal with his left foot? 
you know, we were to talk about fatherly figure. Uh, Lucas yeah. Pichek is definitely it. It's I love seeing him score. He is a he's he's a club legend. He will always be a Borussia Dortmund guy, even though obviously, you know, he was at Hertha before uh, with Usain Favre. But he the, that was just great. You know, if in, at at a point in time where you were a little worried that it could. You know, that this could just be one of those more difficult matches to score because Frankfurt were just playing so defensively and actually relatively defensively solid at that point. Um, and it was, it was the right type of goal in the right situation. Obviously, it's surprising every time Lukas Piszczek scores. It's not really his thing. Uh, but every time he does score, it's always really, really important. It's not, it's usually not like, the fifth goal in a five nil or something like that. It's, it's a meaningful, important goal. And it was again in this match. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, Dortmund taking the lead was absolutely key in this game. And, uh, once they did, I already talked about it. The, the dynamic of the game shifted heavily into, uh, Dortmund's favor. And, uh, they, they really made the most out of this game. And, and what I appreciate ahead of a Champions League game is, um, not that it was a fun route, but actually the maturity that Dortmund showed overall in this game, um, especially at the back of this uh, uh, performance against Leverkusen, where uh, that maturity was lacking in, in, in long stages. And uh, so that that was that was uh, very positive from Dortmund overall to to respond like that. I really hope they can replicate it on on Tuesday, um, even even if PSG will obviously be a completely different beast than, than Frankfurt were, but we mustn't forget that Frankfurt um, dealt with RB Leipzig twice in a row, and I think they select Bayern Munich 5-1 to one this season. Um, so they can kill good teams, and uh, they can, uh, you know, put coaches in the hot seat or actually out of them. So, you know, this is, this is a team that can be very dangerous and also be very dangerous to Dortmund with the attributes they have, because Frankfurt are a very physical side, you know. Emre Can was carrying sort of a limp throughout the entire game because Timo Chandler clipped him, I think, after 21 minutes or so. And you had Sebastian Rode with a couple of crunching tackles, as as you would expect. So um, Dortmund really needed to get into this fight and and uh, um, you know not not just uh, try to play beautiful football. And I think they did this quite well. And hence, we have this result to talk about now. And uh, it looked a bit more positive. Obviously, nobody else in the Bundesliga sort of slipped up. Gladbach beat uh, Düsseldorf for the one. Bayern beat Cologne for the one. Leipzig beat Bremen 3-0. So, um, and, and Leverkusen, if you want to count them as well, they beat Union Berlin in stoppage time with a 3-2 win, which was probably the most exciting game of the match day. So all the uh, rivaling teams for Dortmund, uh, you know, got a win, uh, which means Schalke aren't. Um, but if we are honest, uh, this Schalke team right now has so many problems, uh, they they probably won't make it into the Champions League um, because they are very dreadful and on a, on a terrible run. I think they've only won one win out of the last six games, four draws and one loss. So... Um, it's not going great for the Royal Blues, which uh, is obviously well received on this podcast. Um, but Matthias, um, how much did you miss Julian Brandt and Marco Reus in this game? 
Well, I think until the Pacheco, you could you could notice their absence a little bit. Um, even though I think Azad played well, he he keeps on trying and he plays well. You miss them a little bit, but then in the second half, uh, obviously there was total capitulation on Frankfurt's side, and Dortmund just steamrolled them. And you didn't miss them, which was great, which was the perfect response. Um, so in the first half, kind of missed them. In the second half, didn't even think about them. Yeah, well, the, the problem really is that they, they are so good and, and so important that you will always miss them, even if you don't, if you know what I mean. So it, it probably still would be cooler if you have them on the field. But, um, yeah, kudos to Torgen Hazard, really. Um, even though he really had a luckless performance, he put in a tremendous shift. And, uh, I think that's all you can ask for. I mean, he is playing for his, uh, position right now because uh, of the uh, competition in this team. And uh, when he gets the chance, he, he wants to make the most out of it. So it's really unfortunate for him that uh, due to a couple of bad touches and a couple of passes played more into the back end than, than in front of him and stuff like that, he couldn't make the most of it, Um, even though there was space, time and opportunity for him to maybe get a goal or an assist or two here and there. But um, overall, um, what I value above all is that he really ran his heart out and... Uh, really helped this team in, in the overall defensive shape, I think, because that that was just key. And uh, he helped with that. He he tracked back and, and did all the things you need to do, the basics. And, uh, you know, the other stuff will come by itself at some point, especially Hazard, um, who was on a very good run, but also needed a bit of time to get there. And I would assume if, if he gets more playing time and more opportunities, he'll... He'll start scoring again, so um, I'm not too worried about him, to be honest, and his output. It was just, you know, a lot of misfortune in this game for him not to either grab a goal or an assist, but uh, still a good performance uh, for for my liking. So there you have it. Um, otherwise, um, I think we have uh, talked quite enough about this game. Um, Dortmund are, uh, you know, Remain four points off the lead and three points behind Bayern. Uh, next Saturday, they will travel to Bremen, but we will talk about this game in our next episode on either Wednesday evening or Thursday. But there will be a post PSG and pre Bremen episode. So, um, with that all being said, Matthias, I think it's time to move on to the Champions League. Um, which is obviously a big game against our former coach Thomas Tuchel. Um, you can see that the the whole narrative is out there, and I think we were all pretty annoyed in anticipation of that uh, when the draw was uh, well drawn. <laughs> so, um, what is your feeling going into this? Are you optimistic? Are you anxious? Both. What is the overall Matthias Zuk mood going into this Champions League game? Well, you know me, I'm an optimist, uh, but I'm an anxious optimist because obviously when you're facing the likes of Neymar and Mbappé running at a defense that gets too exposed, usually due to the tactical setup, it makes me a little concerned and it makes me concerned not necessarily because I think Dublin are going to get blown away by five, six goals. It makes me concerned because I think it makes Lucien Favre concerned, which means he's going to probably just cede all possession to PSG um, and probably play a pretty deep, focused on counterattacking game, 
which can work against PSG, but I'm always worried when you let a team like that run at you, given the quality that they have, that sooner or later, they're just going to score a couple of goals. And then it's just so hard for you to get out of that defensive mindset. I would love to see a similar game plan as Dortmund employed against Barcelona at home. And uh, Axel Witzel actually referenced that exact match and saying, that's how we need to play against PSG. And then we don't have to worry about a team like PSG. And I completely agree because if there's one thing PSG has proven in the Champions League, irrespective of who's on the touchline, when they're put under pressure in the Champions League, they kind of have this habit of crumbling in the most amazing fashion possible. Um, so given that and given the weight of expectation on their shoulder in shoulders in the Champions League, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic in this match, given that Dortmund had a good result against Frankfurt. PSG had a bad result, you have to say, against Amiens in a four-all crazy match. Uh, really fun to watch, uh, if you don't care who wins, per se. Um, so, and Neymar being Neymar, you know, he hasn't played in a while, and but he's going to be playing, all reports suggest, uh, including Tuchel suggesting it. So yeah, there's a narrative there. Um, I don't think it'll really play into many of the players, because there's been a huge turnover in players. It obviously won't play into Lucien Favre, who got asked about that same question in French, and he just said he's a colleague from Paris, basically. That's about it. And uh, there's nothing there. He's like, we're playing against Par- uh, PSG. We're not playing against Thomas Tuchel. Uh, obviously, for someone like Michael Zorc or Alki Watzke, there's, there's a little bit more there. And I think there's more motivation for Thomas Tuchel than necessarily on the Dortmund side for getting one over him. So uh, all that being said... Uh, I expect a very entertaining match uh, with a lot of opportunities and nobody having a clean sheet. Yeah, I think this is uh, what we have to expect. I, I think it's going to be a bit more of a shooter. I feel like it's going to be going more into the direction of Dortmund's game against Leverkusen. I don't know if this time Dortmund will have a better end, but I feel like that PSG going out of this game, no matter whether they win or lose, that they will be very comfortable with the amount of away goals they score. So um, that is my worry. And I completely agree with you um, in the sense that Dortmund absolutely cannot afford to sit back and too deep because we all know that Dortmund um, under Favre, if they are passive, they somehow do not manage to win the ball sort of in midfield often. So that means that they just track back too much. Um, we see them, you know, in, in the worst case, that often happens for them against Bayern at the Allianz Arena, where they basically just get pushed into their own box. And as soon as that happens, uh, or sometimes even sooner, but, uh, lastly, then Dortmund completely, uh, you know, they, that's just not territory they are comfortable in, to be honest. And when that happens, there's all kinds of ball watching and uh, obviously coincidence plays a big role. And Dortmund tend to not do well when uh, they are pushed back. And uh, we all know a Thomas Tuchel team can have a very good and a very patient positional play. And I assume they will have that in the Champions League if you let them. 
So Dortmund under all circumstances must not allow PSG to just play the ball around, uh, get comfortable in their own circulation and then push Dortmund back. Um, if that happens and PSG come away with like 65% possession or something like that, that is going to be an absolute nightmare for Dortmund. And I would assume that uh, uh, they will be punished for that because we've mentioned Neymar and um, Mbappé so far, but obviously there are also other players like Verratti and, and Di Maria who really can hurt Dortmund with the, the way to, to to unlock this team. And uh, so, yeah, I'm... I, I have to say, it's it's kind of weird. We had a Champions League tie against Barcelona, for example, but so far, for some reason, um, I feel like this is the best attack Dortmund are to face or maybe just from stylistically the attack that can hurt Dortmund the most. I mean, Dortmund got uh, went, went up against Bayern Munich, obviously, this season, but even Bayern's attack, I don't rate as highly as PSG's. So don't really need to push for their own luck and uh, play defense by playing offense, basically. So I I agree with you, Mr. Witzel, that uh, Dortmund need to counter-press as as often as they can. Obviously, you can do it for 90 minutes and Dortmund need to be uh, mature about it. But, uh, you know, if they get pushed too far behind, it's it's not going to go well. That being said, if they push up high, they can also be punished with the space leaving behind them because with the quality that PSG have, I'm afraid there's no uh no greater solution to to uh Dortmund to just uh, stop this team. Uh you just will need to have a good day and a lot of defensive discipline and hope for the best and, and really hope that you can put PSG on the back foot. Which Dortmund I would say could have done much, much better with a Julian Brandt and a Marco Royce in there. But, uh, you know, you have to adjust to, to what you have now. And uh, so a lot of responsibility will lie on the feet of Rafael Guerrero and, and Achraf Hakimi to, uh, yeah, really uh, fire start this, this offense. And obviously you have Jaden Sancho in the next phase to be the opponent here and there and then Haaland to finish it off. Or however Dortmund going to score goals against this team, um, there are certainly many ways to do that. So... Um, you know, let's let's try to focus on Dortmund's attack. Um, how do you think Dortmund can break down this uh, Paris team? Well, I agree with you as far as you know. Dortmund need to be aggressive in their pressing. Uh, fast transitions are key, not the long holding onto the ball methodical approach. I just don't think that's going to work against PSG. That's not going to work against Thomas Tuchel uh, because odds are he's going to want to play that way at times. So well, I, I, I do I, think Dortmund need stints of empty possession just to get a breather. Otherwise, they won't be able to succeed either. So it all needs to be balanced. But I, yeah. overall, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, quick runs into the channel when you have the likes of Holland, uh, who can who's not intimidated by anybody he's facing. He's proven that in the Champions League. Um, and Sancho, who's just in an absolute amazing vein of form right now, uh, I, that's to me what you need to do is hit those quick transitions after an aggressive press, be it in the attacking third or in the midfield with an Emre Can, uh, who I feel like his passing 
against Frankfurt was better than it was against Leverkusen. He's still shaking off some rust. So I think we'll get there. That to me is the key thing. And, and by God, do not expose your back three by pushing up your fullbacks too high. They have to be more disciplined defensively. If they're not, uh, they're going to get torched. Yeah, that, that is true. But, um, that all being said, um, a lot obviously will be decided of this game in the later stages. And we've already talked about the fitness deficiencies of both Witzel and John. So, um, my question to you is, um, who is going to be the guy who comes off from, from the bench to, to make a positive impact for, for Dortmund? Who are the players on the bench right now that you are counting on to make a positive difference here? Well, I mean, if somebody comes off the bench in the central area, um, I mean, it's probably going to be Dahoud. All, all indications are that Dahoud will be coming off. And, and he actually did quite well the few times he's come off now, uh, come on now recently. Uh, for some reason, Gio Reyna is, is seen as a, a key option and he's young enough to not care who he's playing against. I also, to be honest, wouldn't mind seeing If some if someone needs a break centrally, to move Guerrero centrally and bring on Nico Schulz at that left wing back position, because I think you're not opening yourself up defensively on the wing, and Guerrero, as we know all too well, plays exceedingly well in the central position. So those are all options available to Favre. I think the Dahoud scenario is the most likely because he's the most mature and most natural in that position. Yeah, the only player you left out there so far is Mario Götze. Um, I, I don't know what will happen. It, theoretically, it could be a, a game where there's a positive headline coming out of it for him. I don't know that. Um, but, uh, you know, what one can hope, but we, we just don't know. But, uh, you know, Mario Götze obviously has all the experience needed to play on this level and on this stage. So we will see. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, Dortmund will have a handful with, with the likes of uh, Di Mario and Gay and uh, Neymar and Bappe and Icardi. And, uh, yeah. I mean, that's really all there is to say other than, uh, referring to, to the interview, Matthias, um, that, that we have other than that you have a couple more points to make before we, we, uh, give it over to the interview. Well, I mean, I don't really have any other points other than I don't think Dortmund are going to win, but I don't necessarily think they're going to lose. So uh, obviously, I think that's probably going to be a draw. Yeah, I think I, I I gave a prediction like a three all or two all draw. I think it's it's going to be in these three years, to be honest. So um, yeah, we'll see, Matthias. Um, we will be back after this interview with uh, me and at from PSG Talk.
Hello and welcome to this little special episode of the Yellow Oil Pod or another segment. Either way, I'm joined by Ed from Peace G Talk. Hey Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing very fine myself. Obviously, there is a very big game coming out. Just for a little Dortmund. bit. <laughs> yeah, on, uh, on Tuesday against uh, the uh, league leaders of League R. And uh, I'm very excited to have someone capable to uh, talk about this particular game. Ed, there is obviously a lot of history between uh, the uh, PSG coach and Borussia Dortmund. Um, but before we talk about Thomas Tuchel and all that, I just want to know in general uh, what the mood at the club is and uh, how uh, how things are in uh, in Paris with with Neymar and Mbappé and uh, do we have any star trouble right now? Absolutely. Yeah, so PSG fans are a fickle bunch. We've been through a lot. The 6-1 to Barcelona, the loss last season to probably a Manchester United C squad. There were so many injuries. So we we've definitely seen our our lowest of lows in the Champions League. But this season, I think fans are optimistic. When the draw came out, I think a lot of fans were saying, okay, Dortmund, that'll be exciting. You guys have a great atmosphere there. Um, we, we still fancy ourselves to go through. We think that PSG has the, the better team on paper. But again, that on paper really doesn't mean a whole lot. And given our history, we're cautiously optimistic heading into this game. <laughs> um, you asked about Neymar and any star drama that is going on. So he today, and we're recording this before the, the match against Amion on Saturday, which Neymar will miss. Um, it's going to be his fourth game that he's missed. He picked up, um, what I looked up on WebMD, which is basically his injury is some kind of rib cartilage. He's got some kind of, injury to his ribs uh, that he suffered on February 1st against Montpellier. Um, and the manager Tuchel has not been very forthcoming on what the real issue is going on there. He keeps kind of hiding behind the medical staff and saying, we're going to be cautious with him. I'm only going, I'm going with what my medical team tells me. Um, but then we see Neymar training photos of him looks perfectly healthy. Um, his birthday was the day after uh, it was birthday party was the day after his injury looked fine there. Um, he recently traveled to Germany for a fashion show. He was uh, photographed with models, um, all that. So he looks fine from all the photos, but I think what's going on is PSG does not want him injured in a meaningless game against Amiens or Dijon or somebody like that with, with the game against Dortmund coming up. We know that the past two seasons he's missed out on the knockout phase due to injury. So I think that they are doing everything possible to make sure that he is on the pitch Tuesday night in Dortmund. So I think a lot of the papers are kind of creating <laughs> speculation and rumor. Uh, I was just going to yeah. say, she left just enough space for all the conspiracy yep. theories to float around. Exactly. They're like, I think I saw in uh, one of the Spanish publications, they were like, oh, the Neymar went to Germany and, and behind the scenes, Leonardo and the executives are mad. But Tuchel came out and said, yeah, we've known about this for six, four to six weeks. And uh, PSG actually has a relationship with the sponsor that Neymar was visiting in Germany. Um, so they probably told him, yeah, go ahead. I, Definitely go. So I don't think there's any drama behind the scenes. Neymar is playing 
outstanding this season. I think he's going to be perfectly fine on Tuesday. They are just basically wrapping him in a bubble wrap and making sure that he's not injured before Tuesday. All right. Yeah, that's uh, obviously uh, good to know. Um, So Dortmund will be fully prepared. That being said, preparedness, I think, is is a big thing for for this game for both teams. Um, You said that... PSG usually play in a 4-2-2-2 system with, uh, I assume, Mbappé and Icardi up front and then sort of Di Maria and Neymar tucked in behind and then you have a midfield of uh, Verratti and Gaillet. The big question is, PSG are a big star ensemble. They are a team that's backed by a you know big sponsor and uh, that usually means that these sort of teams, and I would say the the only big star ensemble that that really pulled it together in in my recent memory is Real Madrid, right? When they when when on this epic Champions League run where really um you had a cohesive unit, but usually that's the biggest problem that you do not have the cohesion that the uh, four or five attacking players do whatever they want and try to play glitzy football and then everyone else needs to basically clean up behind them, and that's offers a lot of space and makes them prone to then fall on the big stage, which uh, PSG, I would say, has done before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, I would say so. So I, I assume that's your concern, and um, but but I still would like to, you to, to talk a little bit about this, um, how big the concern really is and if this has improved for PSG or are there any um, signs that, uh, you know, the, the defense will have a lot of trouble because of a lack of cohesion or has Tuchel done his most to, to paper over the cracks? Absolutely. So I'll just, first I'll say, I think this is the strongest PSG side we've ever seen. Um, at least in the QSI era. Um, if you look at 2017, when they did bring in Neymar and Mbappe, that's really the big expenditure. But since then, um, they've been really good about finding and mostly because of financial fair play, but they've, they've found players who can contribute who didn't cost a whole lot. So like Idrissa Gay, for example, or Ander Herrera, who was signed on a free, um, they just, you know, there's another 17 year old Tange Kwasi who will likely be on the bench. He came up through the ranks. So they've, they brought up players, they found free transfers and they've, surrounded Neymar and Mbappe with a team um, of guys who like to work hard. I think Idrissa Gay had the most tackles or maybe second most behind Conte in, um, in the Premier League. So they've just surrounded them with really talented guys who like to work um, and, and feed the two stars up front. On defense, we are a little weak. Um, a lot is just due to injury. Marquinhos is our, our key player. Everyone's going to talk about Neymar. And Mbappe, but when it comes to defense, it's all about Marquinhos, and he is a natural center back. Um, but what Tuchel has done is moved him up the pitch a little bit into a defensive midfielder role, and so he may be there with Verratti and maybe Adrisa Gay starts on the bench. That's a possibility, or Marquinhos may play in the center back role. So, but he's been out for a few weeks now with a hamstring injury, and he's only going to be coming back 
today against Amiens. So um, that's the player that I'm going to be watching. If you're a Dortmund fan listening to this, keep an eye on Marquinhos today. Or if you're listening to this late, you know, watch a replay or just check in on um, PSGtalk.com. We'll probably have analysis of our Marquinhos and, and how he did. But he is absolutely critical. He's just important to PSG on defense as Neymar and Mbappe are on offense. So Well, that's very good to know. Um, how, uh, you know... Th- the the biggest weak points in in a lot of top teams these days are actually the fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, Kurzawa and uh, Monier. Um, how are they doing right now? Yeah, so Kurzawa, we didn't think he was actually going to be at the club. I mean, he was rumored to be going to Arsenal and then Juventus, and then that whole thing fell through. Um, Juan Bernat, I believe, is going to be back. Um, he's another player. He's he's typically the starting left back. Um, He's familiar with the Bundesliga. I believe he was at Bayern Munich before. Yes. Yeah. And he, he was, he's been phenomenal. He, he came in and kind of took over that starting left back spot from Kurzawa. Um, yeah, he, he was sort of chased out of Bayern yeah. Munich and the, the club president sort yeah. of, uh, said that he just played like shit. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> every time PSG is play on the international stage and he plays well, which he usually does. Yeah. You know, uh, Uli Hoeneß gets ridiculed by uh, German uh, football <laughs> fans for for what he said because uh, Juan Bernat, uh, you know, he was scapegoated for whatever mm-hmm. Bayern's failings were, but uh, actually, um, yeah, that he he was he wasn't the guy to blame. <laughs> Absolutely not, and it's unfortunate he's had this injury. So I'm hoping he's going to be able to come back in time. But still, what is his rhythm going to be like? Is he going to be match fit? Kurzawa has played the last few games um, while Bernat has been out. Um, so, but Kurzawa is more of a attacking player. And given Jaden Sancho and and all of your attacking players, I'm a little bit nervous about having Kurzawa there and you know him getting forward and then leaving too much space behind, and it could just be a hot mess at the back for PSG with you guys attacking. It could get ugly really quick. So a little bit nervous about that, to be honest. Um, Mounier, he's pretty solid. He's another player that likes to get forward, but he has a lot of experience. He's a Belgium international. He's played in huge matches before. I'm not as worried about him. A lot of fans don't really care for him. He, he um, He's kind of a hot and cold type player, but we really don't have anyone that can play there um colin dagba is young and he's injured um tilo Kara, another uh bundesliga product he can play the right back position that's something that may be a surprise that yeah Tupel but goes he's with. very error prone as far as i we, know yeah right? we Especially saw that on the big stage yeah we saw that against manchester united uh where he gifted them a little like he did like a back pass and gave them their first goal i believe it was so but maybe this is an opportunity for him to prove that he's learned from his mistakes and is ready to take on more responsibility. These are all decisions that Tuchel has to make and why he gets paid the big bucks. But um, our fullbacks are absolutely a weak spot. And you guys are uniquely positioned to take advantage of that, which makes me very nervous. Yes, uh, Dortmund often uh, pick teams apart over the wings. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's definitely why I asked about it. Yeah. So um, the big question, obviously, is for Dortmund fans: How is the relationship between Thomas Tuchel and the team, and obviously also the fans? Mm. Uh, how are they seeing him on the sidelines? Because we all know that he's a really great coach, but uh, you know the relationship can be tricky sometimes. Yeah, you know, I think the fans. And I may have mentioned before, they're kind of split on him. Um, some fans think that he maybe he waits too long to make any in-game changes. 
Others think that he's, you know, I mean, PSG haven't lost since like November 1st, I believe, against Dijon. So it's hard to argue with the results, but we all know that Ligon isn't really up to PSG's caliber and they can kind of steamroll through a lot of teams. So you're kind of left like, is he really good or can he get out coached by, you know, Manchester United and, and losing the Champions League? I mean, everything is on the line for him right now. You know, if he's able to convincingly win against Dortmund, I think a lot of the fans will get behind him and say, okay, he can do it. We just haven't seen him do it on the European stage. And I think that's why a lot of the fans are split on him right now. Yeah, I will remind you, it's only the run of 16. So if he goes through Dortmund and then fails against the next team, uh, fans will not be behind him. (laughs) Exactly. Well, it also depends on who you play in that round. You know, if it's Barcelona and maybe you lose on away goals and you play really well, maybe he keeps his job. I mean, Leonardo has come out, the um, sporting director has come out and said that, you know, the Champions League isn't like do or die. Obviously, we want to win it, but we're building something here. So maybe if we show progress and we play really well, maybe he can keep his job. But I think he has to get past this round. You can't lose twice at PSG in the round of 16 and keep your job. Yeah, you're you're probably right. But uh, I would say it's probably hard to find a better coach for PSG at this point particular moment right now pep guardiola i mean if he wants to leave manchester city i wrote a piece on the site about how he may want to leave if there's no champions league football there so or yeah, pochettino but that, is a former there's a lot of ifs there yeah, yeah. Dom, i think Dortmund also looking at pochettino um mm-hmm. may, maybe maybe not i don't know if they could afford him uh, that obviously wouldn't be a big problem for psg but um i don't think lucifer will necessarily finish well he will finish the season but then probably not continue um, we'll see, but uh, yeah, Pochettino is obviously a name that I can imagine at the at the sideline and at Dortmund too. Yeah. So you, from from what I hear, uh, the relationship isn't too bad. Um, obviously, if you follow the international headlines a little bit, there's been a I don't know if you want to even call it a falling out between him and Mbappé. Yeah, but yeah. um, I I think that's that's uh, more drama that that the press you know writes about for for. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's a case where Mbappe is a insanely competitive player, and he wants to win the Golden Boot. He wants to win. I mean, there he's talking about wanting to play in the Olympics and the Euros this summer. And this kid is 21 years old, and he wants to win everything. And when he was taken off, it was five nil against Montpellier. I mean, this was not a game in contention, and I believe he had already scored in that game. And he was he wanted more goals to track down Messi and. You know, Lewandowski and everyone else in Europe who scores goals. And he gets so angry when you take him off. And you almost can't blame him. But then you also have to say, like, look, Tuchel's just taking you off for your own good. We don't want you to get injured because you're not going to win the Ballon d'Or by scoring a sixth goal against Montpellier. You're going to win it mm-hmm. by beating Dortmund and Barcelona and Real Madrid in the Champions League. And you you can't run yourself into the ground in meaningless games. So he just needs to understand that. But I think you're right. The press made a lot more of that than it should have been. So I I think the strengths of PSG are pretty obvious, um, especially the pace of Mbappé and uh, uh, overall the possession play. I assume will be great. Uh, the positional play of a Thomas Tuchel team usually is very good, and uh, that makes them very hard to beat. Um, that all being said, um, I'm you've already indicated you are nervous about a couple of Dortmund players here and there and how Dortmund plays. So, um, a what are PSG's weaknesses and uh, who are you scared of? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll go with who I'm scared of. Holland. I mean, he's how many goals? Eight goals in five games, and 
he could score 20 in half a season, like you were saying. I mean, he's a player that if you're not scared of, I don't know. What are you? What are you watching, really? Um, especially considering our defense. I mean, we have Thiago Silva, who's been in great form, uh, but and he's playing for a contract extension, which may not come. But he's 35 years old, um, and we've seen him both for Brazil and at PSG just, you know, be overrun at times. So I worry about a young, motivated player like Halan coming in and, and taking him on. It'll be an interesting matchup to see. Um, Sancho is another one that I'm really worried about just with our fullbacks. I don't think our fullbacks have the pace to keep up with them. I don't think they have the defensive mentality and um, his ability to not only score goals, but to also create. I'm really worried. Luckily, we did make a goalkeeper change in the summer. We brought in Keeler Navas. He's won three Champions League uh, titles with uh, Real Madrid. Hopefully, he can keep his back line organized. He knows what to do. You know, he's has the experience. I think that's going to be... Um, an unsung hero of ours if we're able to get through this game with a win. I think his organization at the back and making key saves is going to be really crucial for us. Yeah, overall, what kind of match do you expect? Do you expect a, a shootout since both teams are obviously top-heavy or do you think uh, everyone will get it together because it's the Champions League and uh, you, you need to uh, worry about defense first? Yeah, everyone's predicting a shootout, which probably means that it's going to be a nil-nil draw. Um, but... Everything you look at tells you it's going to be an absolute shootout. I think Tuchel is going to maybe come out at first trying to be more possession-based, pass it around, you know, look for opportunities to counterattack when you guys are going forward because you're going to have the yellow wall behind you. Your players are going to be motivated to score goals. And we're I think we're going to try to absorb some of that pressure, maybe get through the first 15, 20 minutes, and then say, okay, let's start imposing our will. Let's try to get Mbappe into space. So I think... It's going to be a little slow at first. People are going to be on Twitter like, what's going on here? And then I think you're going to start to see when the legs get a little tired, PSG figure out uh, what's going on. I think then you're going to see the back and forth. And, you know, in the Champions League, it just comes down to luck. Who could put the ball into the back of the net? Maybe VAR makes a decision. Um, PSG has seen their fair share of red cards. Maybe someone could be sent off. Um, I think it's this is going to be the most entertaining game of the, the round of 16, I think. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. Uh, before we've seen actually any game, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just on paper, I think you're right. So, uh, before we go, uh, lastly, I will solicit a prediction. Yeah, um, I thought about this. I'm gonna go. Why not? We'll go three two PSG. We'll we'll get out of there with three away goals and all to play for at the Parc de France. Well, not really. Three <laughs> two PSG at the uh, away game for you. Then, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not very optimistic there that Dortmund have a big chance to come back. But uh, Ed, thank you for coming yeah. on. Um, please tell our listeners uh, if they want to inform themselves even more about this yes. game uh, on on your side how to get in touch with you or uh, listen to your show and all that. Yes, absolutely. So we're on social media, Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, PSG Talk, you can find us. Um, our podcast, PSG Talking, uh, is an English uh, podcast about all things PSG. To my knowledge, it's the only one. Uh, so you can go ahead and find us wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, awesome. Then thanks again and back to the show.
All right, that's it for today, Matthias. Thanks again for being around and uh, lending your expertise. Uh, please tell our listeners how to get in touch with you. Yeah, you can find my so-called expertise on okay. Twitter at Matthiasuk. Very well. Uh, a whole show without a Matthias Zuk rant. Kind of sad. Is there, is, is there anything uh, you, you want to rant about that's completely uh, way, wayside of uh, Borussia Dortmund, like off-topic rants? I, th I think we should no, like, introduce not really. where we just... Pick, <laughs> just something? Pick, yeah, something just, in general? Yeah. yeah nah. I think that, that I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good I... mood. Tottenham won uh in crazy fashion so and Dortmund played well and i'm just going to ignore inter so we'll we'll move on from there all right all right all right at matthias Zug, again uh you can find matthias you can find me at stefan butzko on twitter and if you want to get in touch with all of us on twitter or facebook at yellow wallpot is the handle if you like jordan hunt from stafford want to pledge 10 bucks to get a shout out or a sponsorship please go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall for 10 bucks a pop as i said before you are in uh, and then please send me a message or i will contact you and then we'll discuss that anyway so if you want to subscribe to this podcast please do that via soundcloud itunes stitcher and of course youtube where i will once again urge our listeners to please also subscribe to our youtube channel so we can at some point monetize that with tiny little unintrusive ads that will just make us a little richer and don't uh, annoy anyone. So that'd be nice. Otherwise, uh, sharing is caring. I think the uh, the biggest help you can offer, apart from, I don't know, sending us a million bucks, is to just share it with your fellow Dortmund fans. That would be great. And other than that, I really hope uh, the PSG game will go well for us and everyone can tune in in a happy mood next Thursday or Friday. And until then, goodbye. Thank you for listening.